0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the destruction of the Midianites as we pick up in Numbers chapter 31,
1: verse 2. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now, Eliezer was the high priest, his son Phineas went with the armies to fight against the Midianites. And the Lord delivered the Midianites into the hands of these 12,000 men. And they warred against the Midianites as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they killed all of the males. And this also included this prophet Balaam. Now you remember in the first prophecy that Balaam had uttered over the children of Israel He said, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last days be as his That request wasn't granted. He did not die the death of the righteous Balaam was guilty of greed He allowed that greed to master him And allowing the greed to master his life, he removed himself from the place of God's blessing. And rather than dying the death of the righteous, he was slain when the children of Israel conquered over the Midianites. Balaam also was slain. So they... Took the women of Midian as their captives and the little ones, and they took the spoil of all of their cattle, their flocks, and their goods. They burnt the cities where they were living and all of the beautiful castles with fire. And they took all the spoil and all the prey, both of the men and beasts, and they brought the captives and the spoil. Now Moses was angry with the officers of the army. And the captains over the thousands And the captains over the hundreds Which had come from the battle And Moses said unto them Have you saved all of the women alive? Behold, these caused the children of Israel And here we have it Through the counsel of Balaam To commit trespass against the Lord In the matter of Peor which, And there was the plague among the congregation of the Lord Therefore, kill all of the male babies and all of the women who are not virgins. You can save the little girls and the virgins alive, but the rest of them are to be slain. Because these are the women that were used in this subterfuge to bring a curse upon the children of Israel. Now at this point, it should be noted that there are many people who have difficulty with the Old Testament, and especially in in the areas where we are going to be entering into next as we get into Joshua and Judges and into the kings and all, people have difficulty with the orders for extermination of the people. How is it that God would order that they totally wipe out a nation, the children and all, the women and the children in many cases? In some cases, even the animals, everything was to be obliterated. How is it that God would order such an extermination When they came into the land, they weren't to make a league or a covenant, a treaty with any of the peoples within the land. They were to utterly destroy them or drive them out. Why would God command such a thing? In order to understand these commands, it would, of course, be necessary to understand a little bit about the culture of these people and especially their religious Practices. In all of the history of the world, there were probably these people were probably living on the lowest kind of moral levels that man ever lived. Every kind of sin you could possibly imagine was practiced by these people. Marriage vows were nothing. They lived as animals and even to the point of bestiality as a common practice. Their manner of living was so polluted and so corrupted that it was impossible that they could survive. They believed in human sacrifice and offered their children as sacrifices unto their gods. The things that were done by these people are so polluted, so vile, that it would be impossible to tell you in a mixed company the practices that were common among the people called the Canaanites, those that inhabited the land that God ordered exterminated. God ordered their extermination lest their pollution would also pollute his children. God is bringing them into a land, using them first of all as a tool of judgment against these people because of the horrible, abominable practices they all were deserving to die. You say, well, what about the little children, the babies, the infants? Without their parents and all to raise them, they would have had a horrible, miserable life if they were allowed to continue to live. It was in mercy that the children were taken. But God ordered their extermination lest they would become a polluting influence to his people and his own people would be dragged down into the same moral pits that these people were living in. God used the children of Israel as his instruments of judgment to destroy an exceedingly vile group of people. Now, God brought the flood to destroy people who had lived in such a horrible way. And all were destroyed by the flood with the exception of Noah and his immediate family. God used the flood as an instrument of judgment. Now God is using the nation Israel as his instrument of judgment against these people whose practices had sunk so low that it was necessary that God's judgment fall upon them. And that is why God ordered Their extermination. It was his judgment against their horrible sin that they were committing and to destroy them lest they be a polluting influence upon his people. It was to protect his own children from the mad dog culture of the Canaanites. So, Moses was angry because they kept the women alive. And he ordered them to kill all of the little baby boys and just save alive those women who were virgins, the little girls, and they were to become slaves to the Israelites. Now, Moses said, take the spoil that they have gotten in the battle, and divided in two. And a half of the spoil is to go to all of Israel. And a half of the spoil will go to the 12,000 men who went to battle. Now, of the 12,000 men who went to battle, the half of the spoil that they received one in 500 was to go to Eliezer, the high priest, which meant that Eliezer became overnight a very wealthy man because there was about 337,500 sheep alone for the half of the amount, for their 675,000 total sheep that they took. So the half of those that went to the 12,000 that went to battle, one in 500 of those 337,500 went to Eliezer. So suddenly he had just an awful lot of sheep. And then, of course, it gives the number of cattle and the number of donkeys that they had taken. There were 72,000 beef and 61,000 donkeys And 32,000 persons in all That young women who were virgins So these were divided as the spoil to the children of Israel Now from the half that went to all of Israel One in five was to go to the rest of the Levites So that was their portion, a 20th of that which was taken in the battle. And so they divided up the spoils of war. Now, when the fellows came back from war, they they numbered off and they found out there wasn't one man missing. They had destroyed all of these Midianite cities, had taken all of these captives, had killed all of these men without a single casualty. Impossible in the natural. But we're not dealing with natural thing. We're dealing with God's hand and God's intervention. And thus, grateful for the fact that there wasn't a single casualty among them, that all 12,000 returned from the battle, the captains brought unto the Lord an offering of the portion of the gold and the silver and the brass, the precious metals that they had taken. They brought a portion to the Lord to offer to the Lord in thanksgiving for His preservation of their troops In the battle. That's in the latter portion of chapter 31. So Moses, verse 51, and Eliezer the priest took the gold and all of the jewels, the offering that they offered to the Lord from the captains over the thousands and hundreds. And there was 16,750 shekels. Now as we get into chapter 32 We find that Reuben That is the tribe of Reuben And Gad And half of the tribe of Manasseh Came to Moses and they said Hey We are quite content to stay in this territory We have conquered over here Now they had conquered the area that is present-day Jordan. So if you have any mind at all of the Mideast, the area that is presently Jordan is the area that was captured by the children of Israel before they ever went into the Promised Land, the area that was inhabited by Moab, the Midianites, and the area that begins at about the southern end of the Sea of Galilee and going eastward on down to about midway through the Dead Sea eastward again. Now in the southernmost part, the tribe of Reuben settled. In the middle area was the tribe of Gad, and then up in the northern area, the river Jabbok, that area eastward, Is where half the tribe of Manasseh took and desired as their inheritance It was great cattle grazing country They came to Moses and they said, look, we're very content to stay here Give us permission Now, of course, they had all of these herds and flocks They'd taken all of this spoil And they said, we'd like to build uh, houses and, and fences and all, and we'd like to stay right here. We're perfectly content to remain on this side of Jordan. And we'd like to have this for our inheritance. And that'll just give more land to the rest of the tribes on the other side. Moses couldn't believe it. He said, what are you trying to do? This is the second time we've come to the border of the promised land. And 40 years ago when we came to the border and the people, because of the spies, got fearful and wouldn't go in, it cost us this 40 years and the death of all of those that came out of Egypt that they're over 20 years old. What in the world is wrong with you characters? I can't believe you. And so they rethought the thing and they said, well, I'll tell you what. We will arm our men for war and they will go over and they will fight. Let us build cities and all so our wives and children will be uh, safe here. And we will send our men over to fight the battles and we'll stay with you until the land has been conquered and then we'll come back and take our inheritance over here. And so the thing pleased Moses, and he said, all right, that's okay. For you to go ahead and come over and help us take the territory, and after it is taken, then you can come back. But Moses declared unto them, but if you do not do this, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Now, the request is an interesting request when you look at it from a spiritual standpoint. These people are content to take their inheritance outside of the land on the other side of Jordan. As we're looking at the whole movement of the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, looking at it as typical history, which the Bible declares that it is, it all happened to them as examples for us. And Egypt typifies the old life of bondage in the world, the life in sin. Coming out of Egypt through the Red Sea typifies being born again and being baptized and entering in now to a new relationship with God, delivered from the bondage of sin, bondage of Egypt. Now they are coming towards the promised land and their failure at Kadesh Barnea to enter into the land and the subsequent 40 years wandering in the wilderness is typical of those Christians Who have indeed come out of the life of bondage and sin But have never entered into the fullness of the life in Christ They are in an in-between state Not yet entered into the fullness that they can know in Jesus Christ The full promises The full life and walk of the Spirit but still problems with their flesh, battles with their flesh, wandering in the wilderness. And so many people have a Christian experience that is sort of a wilderness experience, a barren experience. Now the river Jordan typifies the death of the old life, the old man the death of the life of the flesh. And coming into the promised land is typical of coming into the new life and the walk in the Spirit. Yes, we still have battles to fight, but we have a captain that has gone before us who is leading us and who strengthens us. And God has promised that every place we put our foot, that he said, I have given unto you for a possession. So the land is here in front of us. All we have to do is go in and claim it and possess it. The life of victory in Christ, the life of joy and blessing, that life of the spiritual relationship with God. It's yours for the claiming. The victory over the old life, the flesh, yours for the claiming. Now, there were those who were content to remain on the other side of Jordan. Reuben and Gad, part of Manasseh. And they said, we'll dwell on this side. We're content to remain here. It is significant to note that they were the first tribes to go into captivity because they had not the protection, really, of the Jordan River, which was a natural barrier against the enemies. The first to go into captivity. So often many people failing to enter into that which God has promised to us, that life, of abundance in the Spirit, their failure to enter in, content to just live on the other side of the cross, the death of the old nature, the old life, not willing to reckon the old man dead, are often the first to go into captivity.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Numbers on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Numbers 31-32 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck.
1: May the Lord cause his word to be established in each of your hearts and lives. And may you grow in grace and in knowledge of him that you may ever experience a richer, fuller, deeper comprehension of that love that God has for you, his child, in Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
2: As I look around for a godly example of what a Christian woman should be, I see a lot of women who are concerned about what they look like. But rarely do I see a woman who desires the reflection of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, Kay Smith has written a book for women entitled Reflecting God. Kay teaches women godly attributes, such as how to be joyful when things aren't going so great, or how to be sincere when praying for others or inspiring them, or how to nurture and influence the people God has placed around you. As Kay teaches God's attributes, women will begin to have the mind of Christ, and as this starts to happen within you, outwardly you will become a reflection of God to a world that desperately needs Him. For more information on how to order the book Reflecting God by Kay Smith, as well as an optional study guide to lead a women's Bible study, visit thewordfortoday.org to see a preview of this book. Or call us at 800-272-WORD.